This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is the Joe Pag Show. To talk to Joe, call 888-941-PAGS. And now, it's Joe Pags. Hey, great to have you. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Lots going on, lots to get to. Lots to talk about, for sure. Hopefully you're having a perfect day. I don't even care. I'm just looking at the agenda. I'm telling you, I'm looking at what I have to do this hour. I don't no, think, I think I have extra time. you have plenty of time. You do. I, I really looked, don't. You know I what? And agenda. after last hour, I mm-hmm. took a poll. Mm-hmm. And because of the negativity and the nastiness last hour, I don't know that <laughs> I, I, that I have to do this. I was kidding when I called you a kiss up. Um, one guy, one guy, literally asked me if I'm going to still play the Bon Jovi song, even though you just pulled that last hour. Well, this guy actually brought that up <laughs> over in the chat room. I'm but like, listen, just, I, I get let's it. Let's just play it and get it over with, okay? Really? Press the button. I'm play not it. pressing anything. Play it. Say, say, play it like I would say it. Play it. Really? That's all you got? I, I don't know. That's all. That's all but, I today. You got to say it. You got to yeah, give, give me, give me something from the gut. Play it. <laughs> what the heck was that? Mike, I'll need that. I'll need that, Mike. Thank you. I don't know Mike's there or not. He isn't. You should. Carrie loves the oldies. You know, it's an oldie at this point. It's I mean, not no, uh, sad, but true. It is. It's a, what, what, what year it's was like that? Do we know? 1986. Oh, OMG. It's when he could sing still. Hey, hey, hey. Don't knock him. Don't Before knock the John. Johnny. For the what? Oh, no. Not You're going to call him Johnny? <laughs> I'm going to call him Johnny. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Call him Johnny? Yeah, Can I do. you imagine? I mean, you think I'm going to kiss up with Megan Kelly, which I'm not. Oh, oh my gosh. I started out by saying, hey, I've been watching you for years. You're amazing. You're good. And then we got into the questions and we had a great conversation. What am I supposed to say? Uh, Thanks for coming on. Uh." (laughs) Okay. I'm just saying. What am I supposed to do? Can you imagine if I had John Bon Jovi on? Can you imagine? When is your 60th? Like in two weeks? When is your 60th birthday? (laughs) It's about 20 years away. Oh, 20 years. Okay. <laughs> okay. In Maybe space years or something. That. I don't okay, know. Fine. So, uh, but if I had him on, what would happen? Would you just fall apart? I think I would. I really, really do. Now, you know, a lot yeah. of these interviews, I do them before the show. Would you make yourself available to take yes, part? Yes, absolutely. That's like a we'd once do in a three, lifetime. We do, we, do, we do a three box. That, that's a once in a lifetime thing for me. John Bon Jovi, so. you and me. <laughs> 
Can it just be me and John Bon Jovi? Do you? Okay, have to no, be you would involved? do the interview. You'd be happy to do the interview. You yeah. would be like. Blah, 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 blah. I know, but I'd be such a fangirl. Um, it'd probably be pretty embarrassing. And you. This is how it would go. It. Remember, 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 in '86 oh, yeah. you did "Living Like a Prayer" or "Living Under Prayer." Remember, remember that in '86 was it? That was great, wasn't it? Yeah. That's that what they, that's what it would be. That would be me. I know. Every award you've ever won would be taken away. <laughs> They're like, the AP would be calling, please send back the awards that you received. Myself, but it would be so worth it. You got up today? Did you, did you take a shower and comb your hair when you got up today? Did you? <laughs> I would tell you, it would, it would be the suckiest interview ever, but it would make your entire existence. You'd be it really very happy. It would. I'd be, I would be ecstatic. Yes. Now, what if he just said, okay, sing me your favorite Bon Jovi song, would you? I think I'd have to. Yeah. Bill Medley made me sing. Yeah. Yeah, you have to. I mean, yeah. Got to uh, do it. I just love you, John. It would be horrible. It would be horrible. Be but it would like again. It, but yeah. Now, now, are you are your children sick of this crap? Oh, they don't like. They don't like Bon Jovi because their whole lives that's all they've heard, not right? Their cup of tea. Yeah, that's all I've heard. Yeah, they don't they don't care. So when he comes on the radio, music. the eyeballs go straight up. They just start rolling their eyes. Yeah, pretty much. And mom's singing, didn't she? I'm always singing, absolutely. Did you tell them the deal? Because I haven't heard from either one of them. Oh, you know what? I don't think I did. I kind of forgot about that. You can make Aww. mention of that. Yeah, I'll go home and, and mention, that, to, <laughs> mention <laughs> that tonight to my You don't kids. want your sons to make 100 bucks? You're, you're rude. <laughs> of course I do, but not at my expense. Not my For those who don't know, um, I challenged her children, Luke and, uh, and Jake, that if they catch mom singing like full-throated in the car, the Queen or Bon Jovi, and they record it and send it to Uncle Pagsy, 100 bucks. <laughs> now, is 100 bucks a, po- a piece or 100 bucks together? They'd probably want to know. Well, whoever sends it to me, they, 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 it's going to okay. be from one phone, I would think, not from oh, both. Oh, okay. Okay. But they both, they both, oh, right. oh suddenly, suddenly you'll do it so they can get some money. <laughs> it's 200. If it's for both of them. <laughs> I might consider that. I don't know. We'll think about it. All right. 888-941-PAGS, 888-941-7247. This, this story about Talcum X. Sean King, who's a white guy pretending he's black, his wife said that his race, his racial background is complicated. He has said that the white man whose name is on his birth certificate, there are two white people on his birth certificate, Carrie. So legally, he's a white guy. Yeah, yeah. But that wasn't really his father. His real father, his biological father, is a light-skinned black man. That's what he claims. Sean okay. King is is a Black Lives Matter activist. He's a black activist. He's a black activist racist against white people, although in reality, all signals, all signs, all evidence points to the fact that he's a white guy pretending he's black. He's basically the, the male version of Rachel Dolezal. Well, it turns out um, he's also like a grifter. He's like a, a scammer, allegedly. Because he took a bunch of money that he got for supporting BLM and he spent it on himself. Now you've got I mean, listen. I love dogs. You you got to be high if you think I'm paying this kind of money for a dog. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fill me in. From yeah. Yahoo News, controversial Black Lives Matter activist Sean King's political pack used donor cash to purchase a forty thousand dollar dog that King used as a family pet, according to a Monday report. 
King's Pack Grassroots Law has handed over the sum and a pair of payments to Potero Performance Dogs in California since December. The Washington Free Beacon reported the pack sent Potero $10,000 in December, followed by a $30,650 payment in February. A days after the second payment, King posted on Facebook about welcoming a new member of the King family, a Mastiff and Prize show dog named Mars. The post has since been deleted or made private. The grassroots pack is ostensibly aimed at boosting political campaigns for candidates aligned with King's soft on crime mentality, but the organization spent nearly as much on the dog as it has on candidates. Grassroots contributed a total of $56,000 to various political campaigns since 2021, just 16000 more than it reportedly spent on the animal. Mars' stay with the King family was not long-lived, however, as Protero posted Instagram photos of the dog, winning top prize at an American Kennel Club competition in July. Protero explained in an earlier Instagram post, Mars has a little too much energy to be a family dog, so he came back. The Instagram posts from Protero have also since been deleted or made private. King has faced a slew of controversies over his career as an activist, with even other members of the Black Lives Matter movement denouncing him as a fraud. Okay, so let's just take in the facts as we know them. Sean King is an ass wagon, fact. He gets $40,000 into a political action committee that he's put together where he's supposed to be spending the money that's donated on candidates that align with him and with those who have donated the money politically. He takes $40,000 of it, spends it on one dog. Because for, Carrie, for $40,000, you can get about a million dogs. And be honest yeah, with you. Yeah. yeah. You got a dog right there. You got the hot dog. Mm-hmm. That's true. How much did that cost you? Uh, about 500 we got a beautiful German Shepherd gunner. I think he was 300 bucks. So, I'm $40,000 for a dog? Yeah. Care, am I missing something? I mean, Pete Buttigieg would, would be, dude, buy an EV. You know, I know. What I mean? 40, <laughs> I you know, know what I mean? And the, That's the easy. fact that they gave him back. So, where did that money go now? Did it go well, back you, let, to the pack? Let me ask you this. If you were dumb enough, and you're not, but if you were stupid enough, to take political campaign donations mm-hmm. and buy a dog for forty grand, would you put it on social media? I would absolutely not. Now, in another story I, I mean, saw that he said he he was he bought it for protection because he needed security, extra security. But he's already given the dog back. I mean, so. I could be wrong because I'm not a dog expert, but you can buy several pit bulls. For a whole lot less than $40,000. Oh, indeed, yes. Yep. And be as protected as you want to be, Shawnee. Yep, yep. 40 grand. Hmm. On one. one. Yeah, you have any old Camaros I can buy with that? Not only really nice ones. I mean, crappy Camaros on the side of the road. I could buy 17,000 Camaros <laughs> for 40 grand. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know, I know. Like a dollar, like $2.50 each. I could buy some really great Bon Jovi tickets for $40,000. Right? Yeah. Plus, you could buy, you could buy a year's supply of wine. Passes. The kind oh of wine you Oh my gosh, drink. yes. You serious? That's, that's like a decade's oh, worth of boxed man. wine. Man, that sounds so awesome. So can you imagine being so delusional, this is my word, delusional, that you're getting the campaign money, you suckered somebody into believing you're going to do something right with it, and you bought yourself a dog. Now, the argument that it's for his safety, which you just said, and I know that he said that because he claims that he can't get a gun in New York. Mm-hmm. So he says he got it for, for safety and security. 
I would like to ask the people that donated the money, are you cool with him spending it on that and not on the candidates who believe in what you believe? You're not going to have that question answered because then Sean King would have to admit that he's a piece of crap. And by the way, again, all evidence points to the fact that he's not black. Why aren't more people calling him out? Now, I did see today on Newsmax, I saw a list of some of the names that he's called online. I don't have them in front of me. They were very funny. Talcum X is one of them that's being used. I think that's the most used Hmm. one. But this guy is a fool. And I just say, even the Black Lives Matter people have come out against this guy. How bad must you be? The organization you say that you support is calling you a grifter. I mean, that's pretty bad. So let's, let's take a lesson out of this. Don't spend any money on a politician, a candidate, or a political action committee until you know what he or she stands for and what he or she will do with it. And again, I understand PACs are available, but I have never donated to a political action committee, ever. And I don't know that I ever would, because I, there are too many hands involved. A political action committee takes that money, and it's managed somehow, and they decide what to do with the money. I'd rather give it to the specific candidate that I like. And I know that at political action committees, you can spend a lot more money. You can only do like $2,600 a candidate or something like that. Um, when you're donating to a candidate. That's actually what got Dinesh D'Souza in trouble. Instead of 2600 or 5200 for the family, he donated like twenty grand to a friend that was running for election. He didn't throw a, uh, do it through a political action committee, and the Obama administration punished him for it. But it's just that simple. This is money that you worked hard for. Don't just give it to a Sean King. Even if you agree with what he says he believes in, he's never done anything to, to prove that he can manage your money right and now we know the idiot's buying a dog. Come on, man. 888-941-PAGS, 888-941-7247, JoePags.com. Got a couple of stories on California when we come back. We definitely want to talk about that. And at the bottom of the hour, it's going to be a doctor who's got a brand new book out. In this book, we talk about the anxiety we've all faced because uh, who, who was, what, what was the kind of worker? Essential was the word that was being used, right, Carrie? Essential worker. That is right. Yep. You and I were considered essential. Mm-hmm. A lot of people watching and listening were not considered essential. I think that's disgusting that anybody was told you don't matter more than the next guy or that we somehow doing radio mattered more than somebody else. I think it's essential that anybody who had a job was paying bills and putting food on the table and, and so on. So how do you bounce back from COVID? How do you bounce back from this financial decline? How, how, do you, how do you have your kids bounce back from not hanging out with their friends for two years? We talked to them about all that and then some. Meantime, got to remind you that Congress will play games with the money they can raise the debt ceiling. It's such a, such a stupid euphemism. They're not really raising anything. They're just putting us further into debt, whereas we can't do that personally. So if you're buried in bills and trying to keep up with all the credit cards, signature loans, internet loans, and timeshares, get off the treadmill, get some total financial freedom. If you owe more than $10,000, the team at Total Financial has been doing a great job for a, a, lot, a long time, 15 years plus, helping people like you resolve their debts and cut payments in half. Give them a call right now, 800-833-9444. Ask for the free book, The Debt Dietitian. You get it by mentioning my name. Tell them Joe Pags told me to call. Get that free book, The Debt Dietitian. Learn how easy it is to cut your payments. You're going to appreciate their team. They're like-minded people, and they've got an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. No complaints ever. Again, if you're in debt, don't just take it and, and work you know, seven extra jobs. Get a hold of them and find out how you can make your financial um, burden a little bit lighter. Call Total Financial right now, 1-800-833-9444, 800 800- 833-9444. Do it right now. We're back after this in the Joe Pag Show. Stay here. This is the Joe Pag Show.
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, great to have you. Thanks for stopping by. There is a ton going on. Bottom of the hour, it's going to be uh, an author, John Deloney, uh, Dr. D. He's a doctor, and um, it's it's great conversation. We just get into all this stuff about exactly what it is we face as a society um, after COVID, during a financial crisis, and so on. Uh, good guy. I want you to stick around and make sure that you listen to that. 888-941-PAGS, 888-941-7247, JoePags.com. Got to tell you about Eden Pure, great thunderstorm air purifiers. If you haven't gotten the Eden Pure thunderstorm air purifier, I'm, I'm not really sure what you're waiting for. You want to pay 600 bucks for an air purifier? I don't. We got a three-pack for under $200, and that's the deal that's going on right now. Uses proven oxy technology. quickly destroys viruses, odors, mold, and more. People all over the nation are raving over how well the thunderstorm freshens their homes. Musty, mildewy smells just vanish after a few seconds with the thunderstorm being on. Over 265,000 of these sold. I mean, it's a ton. We've got four of them in my house. Make sure you get yourself some of these. Right now, you can save $200 on an Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack for the whole home protection. Three units, you'll get three for less than $200, a fraction of the cost compared to other air purifiers. Also, doesn't take up a bunch of space. It plugs right into the wall. It doesn't take floor space at all. With a special offer, getting three units for under 200 bucks. go to EdenPureDeals.com, put in discount code PAGS3, and save $200. That's EdenPureDeals.com, discount code PAGS3, P-A-G-S, the number three. Shipping is free. So, Carrie, just got this big, long email from the guy who called me last hour, two hours ago, um, who couldn't answer a direct question. Mm, yeah, and was playing games about, about the Pennsylvania vote, and, and they didn't want the, 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 the votes to be counted beforehand, and, and Trump really lost because they counted all the mail-in ballots on Election Day. And although they went to bed with him in the lead, the next morning he lost because the mail-in ballots were counted. And the guy didn't want to answer any questions, didn't want to really have a conversation, didn't want to have a debate, certainly. Didn't want to go back and forth, have any sort of a... A verbal argument. He wanted to use passive-aggressive tactics and means to try to show that I didn't know what I was talking about, and he did. So when I brought up the fact that we should not stop counting until we count all the votes, no matter how many mail-in ballots came in, he went to the emotional because he got his ass kicked on that, and he said, well, these are volunteers, and how long should they stay? 12 hours? I said, sure. He said, 30? I said, yep. 100? Yep. I said, 5,000 hours, if that's what it takes, to count all the votes before you go home. And every time I ask him, do you agree with me that a volunteer gives of his or her time and they promise to do a job? Well, just keep asking questions. Big, long email. I'm a bully. I'm a this. I'm an egotistical. The other thing, because the guy just couldn't have a conversation. He's the kind of guy who in person would say, oh, man, I love your show and take a picture and then light me up on social media about what a piece of crap I am Mm -hmm. and that I'm fatter or smaller or shorter or taller than he thought in person. Um, At the end of the day. You've got somebody who had a real opportunity. It's hard to get through on the phone lines. It is. Uh, and, and I'm proud of that. He had a real opportunity 
to go at me. Let's really have this conversation. Here's why Trump didn't win, and he could fill me in. When I bring up 2,000 mules, he didn't see that. He doesn't want to hear about the technology used. The guy just wanted me to shut up and let him talk for five or six minutes, spew whatever talking point he got in the email today or whatever MSNBC told him to say, and then leave saying, I really got the talk show host. He is so hurt by the fact that I wanted to mix it up. He's so hurt by the fact that I knew what his talking points would be. He's so hurt by the fact that he wasn't able to get through and and change my mind to get in lockstep with his robotic thought process on elections that he wrote me this big... Now, again, I'm talking about it, so he's getting a bit of a thrill anyway. But the idea that you're going to somehow change a 56-year-old man's mind when I know what I know, or you're going to make me think that I've got too big an ego after doing this for 32 years, or that I, I, I just showed everybody why somebody with a varying opinion should never call in. Dude, you did very badly. And what you thought that you actually accomplished, you didn't. You did horribly. And now somebody from Anonymous is calling in. I'll bet that, Sam, I'll bet that Anonymous person is that guy, Kevin. 888-941-PAGS, 888-941-7247, JoePags.com. My interview with Dr. D when we come back. Stay here. Don't be an A-Dub. Stay with the Joe Pags Show. Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really glad to have this young man on. His name is Dr. John Deloney. He's got a book. It's called Own Your Past, Change Your Future. John, am I pronouncing the last name right? Is it Deloney? Yes, it was a pretty rough childhood with the name that rhymed with the lunch meat. Yes. <laughs> I can't imagine. Well, my name's Pagliarulo. I had Bagliarulo, Pigliarulo. We had everything. We actually got a letter to the house one time that was to the Pagliarigatoni family. I kid you not. <laughs> they just thought it was an Italian dish. It was very strange. Uh, uh, Doc, it's great to, to make your acquaintance. You've got this book out, Own Your Past, Change Your Future. We talk a lot about anxiety. We talk a lot about what it is that we're facing in our society today. And we're going to talk about the R word, recession, which we are in one. But before I even get there, let's talk about the two years of isolation. Forced isolation, governmental forced isolation, where we now, many of us work online. Many of us do school online. Many of us haven't gone back to our jobs yet if we're servers or do something that wasn't called essential. Let me start there. How do you take it as a human being if somebody looks at you and says, you're great, but your job isn't essential, therefore you're not essential? I mean, that's pretty rough, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, uh, Mike Rowe was here in the office with us um, when, when everything was shutting down, and he mentioned that, and I had never considered that, that when we told 30 or 40 million Americans, hey, y'all are essential workers, everybody else, y'all just go home and we'll send you checks. They made a, that was a catastrophic psychological under, undermining of all of us. Yes. Because one of our core values is we want to matter. We want to contribute to the to the things we're doing every day. And if suddenly when things get bad, if they're like, you just go home and we get a pat on the head and a check and we'll take care of you. And that, that's just that, that drains meaning from everything. And, and we want to feel like we're needed. We want to feel essential. And by the way, every single person that was told wasn't essential was because they've got right. food to put on the table. They've got bills to pay. They've got, they've got mortgages or rent or car payments or school or whatever. Um, and to say you're not important, but I somehow, John, was important on the radio. 
Broadcasting oh, was, was important. I, you're, you're, you're somehow important. Um, it, it didn't make me feel good. It didn't make me feel like I was somehow better than. It actually made me feel bad for them. And then what the end result was, we're sending you a check for doing nothing. Then people got disincentivized. Uh, can that happen? Are, are we as humans, you know, I guess complex enough to, or simple enough to say, well, you're going to send me a check to not go and wait tables. I guess I'll just stay here. I, we're designed to take the path of least resistance. This yeah. this abundance that we experienced the last hundred years here in the Western world in America, our bodies didn't grow up that way. We grew up hunting and gathering and scavenging for food. And so, yeah, if someone's just going to send it to me, I'll just take it. And what we don't um, have the psychology to understand is on the back end of that, man, it just melts us. We're not designed for that. We've got to be around other people. We have to be working and moving and doing things. Um, solving problems and accomplishing things. And without that, we become, we, I mean, look at, look around. Then we become an anxious, chaotic, angry mess. He's an author. His name is uh, Dr. John Deloney. Get his book called Own Your Past, Change Your Future. You know, what you just said is really important because, you know, we, we, we are going to take the path of least resistance. Although, um, I, I pat myself on the back a little bit by saying, oh, always been somebody who liked to challenge. Always been somebody who wants to compete. Uh, always been somebody who, who, if you offer me something for free, I'd be skeptical and, and tell you I'd work for it. But, but that doesn't mean that you're bad if you don't do what I do. I, I happen to be abnormal that way. But when it comes to revving yourself back up, and and getting back into society and saying I'm gonna I'm gonna get dressed and go see people today and touch grass and feel sun on my face and go to a job where I now feel value for what it is that I bring to the job. How do you make somebody feel that way again when we are again, you know, either enjoying or dealing with the path of least resistance? You got to look at the data and the data lets me know that uh, when my body recognizes that I'm lonely, that I'm that I found myself on an island. And if you think back two or 3,000 years, then my tribe got up and left without me. I'm probably going to die. It is more damaging to our bodies than smoking, right? Wow. So i got to just know if I continue to sit at home, passively accept the world as it comes to me, my body's going to shut down and quit. And I don't want that life. And so ultimately, um, you've got to choose your heart, right? And so I think about somebody who's struggling to um, lose 100 pounds. That's really hard. And... Being a hundred pounds overweight every day on your knees and back and relationships and work, that's really hard too. Yes. So it's not a matter of one's easy, one's hard. They're both hard. You got to choose your heart. And right now we have two to three years of stay at home, stay at home, stay at home. The greatest thing you could do for your neighbor is not to invite them into your home, not to give them a warm place, not to give them a meal. It was to stay away from them. And then suddenly the floodgates open back open and it's like, go get them, everybody. We have to lean into that discomfort, walk headfirst, put our, sh- throw our shoulders back, put our heads up and say, I'm going to go choose to be uncomfortable for a season until I can reacclimate to being around people. Because if I don't, I'm going to slowly shut down. I'm going to take my family, my friends, my loved ones with me. Dr. John Deloney, go get his book. It's uh, Own Your Past, Change Your Future. Uh, is there a difference in generations or age of people when it comes to shutting down, not essential, no personal touch between people many times? And the reason I ask this is we had kids learning online um, instead of going to school and inter- interacting socially. These are the the, the, the years where... Fundamentally, we learn how to deal with other people. We find our lifelong friends. We find the girl or the boy that we're attracted to, whatever. We find a teacher that we can relate to because we have a similar experience. Um, is it different when a kid tries to reacclimate and goes back to class uh, than maybe you or maybe somebody my age? 
I mean, I've, I've got a, I've got a six year old man and she missed I've got a seven year old, uh, by the way. Yeah. She missed pre-K and she missed the first week of kindergarten and the rest of it was, um, everybody was covered up. And so, um, I've seen some delays in my own little girl and it's, it's challenging. It's, there's anxiety everywhere. There's it, yes. It, to answer your question. Yes. I, I just, it's a personal thing for me cause I'm living it. Um, but I do think uh, here's the deal. Adults experience anxiety too. We just, um, we go buy things or we, we can drive ourselves to Taco Bell and make it go away for a little <laughs> bit. Right. That's um, true. Yeah. We can, we can get online and just like angry rant post something to, as, as a little bit of a, of a bandaid over our own anxiety. So I think the anxiety is the same. What's different about my daughter and me is she is completely powerless. And when kids are powerless, they look in the mirror and they blame themselves for their feelings instead of blaming others. And that's where I think we're, we're going to have a hundred year debt to pay on what we did to this generation of kids. Wow. Really? It is uh, Dr. John Deloney. Uh, go in uh, and get his book. It's called own your past, change your future. Uh, this is going to be great for people because they really do want to, I think we have to re- reeducate ourselves in, in many ways and how to interact with people. Uh, it is different for kids. Not only are they powerless, but they also haven't learned it yet. And, and you learn right, it. skill set. Right, right. Exactly right. You learn it through interaction. Let's advance to like college age kids. I interview a lot of college age kids with campus reform and others and they had to do online learning as well or they had to wear a mask the entire time and when I went to college back in the early 80s you know it was about going there and you loved your instructor or you learned from that professor or you were you were learning those skills that you needed for later in life and you wanted to go see that person you kind of liked you wanted to go interact with your friends go grab a, a drink after uh, after class or on a Friday or a Saturday after after your finals none of that inter- interaction was happening so you think it's a hundred year damage that we're gonna we're gonna have to deal with I mean, if you look at college, it, uh, I, I spent two decades as a, as a senior leader at various universities across the country and mostly in Texas there and here in, in Tennessee. Yeah. And um, here's what we know as a, as a former college uh, senior leader. Information is everywhere. The college, the college, going to college isn't about just getting the info. That's important. But what's really important, the lesson underneath that lesson is – how to learn from a professor that's kind of boring because yeah. you can have a boss like that. How to how to learn from a, a demanding boss. How to get pushed really hard further than you thought you could go and suddenly you find success and achievement. How to deal with annoying roommates. Like that's the part that makes the citizen, right? Yeah. And yeah, we just dumped it all online and said, hey, by the way, it's all the same price. You still got to pay the same for a quarter of the experience. And here's all the data. Here's all the information. Man, I could get that stuff on YouTube now. Yeah. Um, right. I need the the social aspect of this. It's it's funny. Oftentimes, and in my generation, we would ask somebody for directions. Hey, how do you get there? And then you would say, well, you take a left at this road, you take a right, look for the fork in the road. There's a green sign and a big uh, tree of, of uh, blossoms. Uh, okay. And, and that was kind of cool. You and I had a moment. I learned something from you. I now feel like I'm empowered that I can find it. Now we're pop, pop, pop. Here's the address, Google Maps or Apple Maps or whatever the hell we're using. And suddenly we're not talking to anybody anymore. And the computer's telling us what to do. I mean, that's a lost art too, isn't it? I mean, we used to actually stop and, and talk to people and not Google it. Hey, in 1964, who was that guy who ran for president? And people would say, oh, I remember that. Or my dad used to tell me, now we just Google it. That's, that's, made yeah. us, that's given us some separation anxiety too, hasn't it? Yeah, one of, the, one of the great lies of the technological revolution is that it was going to provide more connection. And when I text my wife that I love you, I love you, I love you, I'm giving her information. Yeah. I'm not giving her connection, right? right? And there's a big difference. They're processed in different parts of our brains. And so when my friends text me funny emojis and funny things, they're giving me info, 
there is a an entirely different experience when they're in the room with me and we're playing poker and we're talking noise or having a cigar and we're being silly and talking about hard things. And it's in hour two. Yeah. When my buddy goes, Hey, can I tell you something's going on with my kid? That's when we, when, especially with men, we finally get the vulnerability to say something out loud. Right. right? And right. all of that has been outsourced to these little digital boxes and we are paying a price for it. For sure. You know, I've stopped the, the mad emailing um, because emailing, you never, ever understand sarcasm. You never understand innuendo. You never understand. There's no, you can't see the facial expression when you're saying it. I can say something to you man to man right now that you'll get, you'll laugh, you'll enjoy, you'll respond to. I can send you an email. You might hate me. I mean, that's, that's really right. how disconnected it is, isn't it? That's exactly right. And when, you know, the 70 to 90% of all interactions are nonverbal. And we've just taken all of it away and just made it all black and white text, right? And I'm Italian, man. I'm always using my hand. You can't, I want hand gestures on email, for God's sake. <laughs> um, own your past, change your future. His name is Dr. John Deloney. Uh, John, what does that mean? Own your past, change your future. Does that mean come to terms with what it is that, you, that you've that you been through and take the good and, and the bad that you've learned from and then do something different? Yeah, it's it, we've really been given two paths forward in our current cultural narrative. Yeah. One is you are your feelings. You make up truth as you go. And you are the worst thing that ever happened to you. You're the worst thing you've ever done. That's a label that is fixed on you. You are damaged and broken. And someone's going to have to come from the outside and fix you. Just the kind of like we talked about earlier, just stay at home. We'll send checks yeah. because you've screwed up or somebody's done something horrific to you. And that's all you'll ever be. The other narrative is equally insidious, but it's just the other side of the teeter totter here, which is if you have a feeling you're weak. What a loser and a coward. Suck up your feelings. Nobody wants to hear about your childhood. Get on with it and let's move on. And both of those are nonsense. Both yeah. they're, they're nonsense psychologically, neurobiologically, they're, but they're nonsense emotionally and, psych and spiritually, right? So this book is really the new third way, which is if something happened to you when you were a kid, if you were abused and your body will solve for that for the rest of your life if you don't deal with it. If you've been treated differently because of the way you look, like these things are real and they happen. If you grew up in deep poverty, these are real and your body will solve for them forever. You got to take ownership of what happened. You also have to take ownership of what you've done to contribute to your life challenges, right? And we spend so much energy, man, and I'm, I'm chief guilt. I'm guilty number one, right? At the front of this line, trying to go back and edit things that have already happened. Yeah. Try to go back and rewrite these sentences. Dude, they're over. They happen. There's a period at the end of that sentence. I have to own what happened. And then I got to be about writing what happens next. And I, I'm a big, big believer in I get to choose today and I get to choose tomorrow. And I got to own what happened. And I got to move on, man. We got to we got to make this thing happen. Amazing lesson. Uh, own your past. Change your future. Dr. Uh, John Deloney. Uh, Doc, I appreciate you coming on. Let's talk about the anxiety um, involved in finances. Uh, of course, we're in a recession, but but guess between don't tell anybody. But between you and me, nobody gives a crap that it's called a recession. What we care about is it going to cost us two or three thousand more dollars a year in gasoline. That right. beef has doubled in price. That um, the, the the government tells me, well, just go buy an EV, not a big deal, sixty thousand dollar car. Something, of course, I can't do. Or just get a second or third or fifth or tenth job, then maybe you could put food on the table. So we're all dealing with the finances. Unfortunately, for the majority of Americans, they didn't have enough money to go beyond paycheck to paycheck when the paycheck stopped or when the jobs dried up or when things became so much more expensive, suddenly their, their quality of life changed exponentially. How do you deal with that? Because my drive, and again, I might be different, but my drive is, all right, I'll get the fifth job. And, and mm -hmm. our mutual friend, Kurt, knows that I, that, that I would do this. 
But a lot of people don't have the same wherewithal or have stresses and things pulling at them that won't allow them to do that. How do you deal with a financial crisis? And that's really what it is that we're all facing right now mm-hmm. without being overwhelmed with your emotions, your psyche, your anxiety. So one of the things I did for the last decade was work with people when the wheels had fallen off, whether yeah. that was letting somebody know that their child had passed away or um, I did uh, a stint there in West Texas with the police department there serving on victim services, right? Sitting with people when the worst of the worst had happened. Wow, okay. And one, one of the most important um, conversations we had was controlling the control. But what about this can you control? You can't control what happened. You can control what happens next. Right. And so when it comes to you've got a great job or you've been working two jobs, you're trying, you got this thing duct taped together, you got your, you're just hobbling down with your life, you're just getting your under your feet, and all of a sudden gas doubles in price, you can't buy burgers anymore. Right. All those things happen. Continually digesting news after news after news after news does not solve that problem. Right. In fact, it pours gasoline on your internal state. You good. Okay. Things are expensive. You know that now, now I'm going to turn off whatever TV, what I'm going to shut it off and I'm going to get about what can I control right here? And you said it best. I have a math problem. If I can't put food on the table, I'm going to have to get a fifth job. This isn't a discussion or a debate or a time to find out what my meaning in life is. I got to eat. Yes. Right. And I'm going to begin to ask myself, is this the right town for me to live in? Is this the right job for me to live in, right? I'm going to have some hard conversations with my wife about what schools our kids are going to, right? Because we got to make some real life changes here. But again, I'm going to spend all of my energy on things I can actually control. Any any other energy, any other energy spent worrying, ruminating, being raged out is a choice to be miserable. It does not a choice to help you solve your challenge. And it also stops you from solving the challenges. You're right. If I sit around 24-7 or in all my waking hours thinking about how horrible my life is, I'm not making my life better. In, a, in essence, I'm contributing to what's going wrong. Um, to my I, own misery. Right? I, exactly right. I can't control the recession. I can't control the price of gas. I can't control whether I should buy an EV or make a solar panel. What I can control is whether there will be food available tonight for my, right. my wife and my five kids. And, and, and that's really, that's the outlook. But so many people don't have that. If you don't mind, in like 15 seconds, which would be hard, it's Dr. D, Dr. Uh, uh, Dr. John Deloney, get his book, Own Your Past, Change Your Future. What advice would you give directly to people listening and watching right now who are ruminating, who are trying to figure it out, and while they're trying to figure it out, they're not doing anything to figure it out? <laughs> right. So know this, worry solves nothing. It solves nothing. Ruminating, we do it because it feels like it's good thinking, like we're thinking towards a solution. And the challenge with ruminating is the line always moves because it's not about solutions. It's about our mind staying busy. So when I find myself starting to ruminate, starting to have imaginary conversations with people that I'm never going to have in real life, and I I always win those conversations, by the way. (laughs) Um, When I start ruminating, I will literally be walking through my living room and I'll just say out loud, nope. And that is me stopping that thought in process. I'm not arguing with myself. Because all I'm doing is choosing to be miserable. My wife now, she'll roll her eyes and just start laughing. There's John talking to himself again. But I'm going to stop that conversation because I know it accomplishes nothing. I think that's great advice. Get the book. It's the number one bestseller. Own your past, change your future. It's uh, Dr. John Deloney. Uh, Doc, come back on often. I appreciate you coming on today. Hey, I'm really grateful for your hospitality, man. Thank you so much. Hi, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is The Joe Pag Show.
on. We do have time for some pop culture. Dirty pop. What's happening, Polo? So, you know, we were talking about Beyonce the other day changing a, a lyric or two from her, her Spaz, album. Yeah. Okay, so Monica Lewinsky chimed in and was asking if she would change a lyric from a, from a song of hers from 2013 where she mentions Monica Lewinsky in it. And, of course, her <laughs> Mon, uh, Beyonce's fans attacked her. Of course. That's Polo. That's, that's Sam. That's Carrie. I'm Joe. We'll see you later. This is the Joe Peg Show.